What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Five Down Territory Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Buick, along with my other co-host, Justin Hughes. Welcome, welcome. We are live today with each other. So we are back, not doing over the computer. We are live together at a table. We are possibly going to be putting this on YouTube, probably going to be putting this on YouTube. Oh, yeah. This is a good time. We had a lot of fun last week, and we're hoping to replicate that this week. To start the uh, show off, we're going to do a little bit of a quick recap on our bets, DFS picks, and a couple of the games that we had a little bit of interest in. Um, right off rip, you, is there anything uh, you want to say about last week? Yeah, there's something that I, I think needs to be said. Um, for for those of you that tuned in last week, you'll notice that our, our third co-host is not here today, um, Jordan. Um, if you remember, Kenyon Drake was Jordan's play of the week last week in DraftKings. Now... If you played Kenyon Drake, you know that he put up a healthy and hefty 5.5 fantasy points in DraftKings last week. Um, so once again, Kenyon Drake fooled the public, including Jordan, and added to his list of many victims that he made in 2020. Um, so due to this blatant and predictable miss, Jordan has been removed from this podcast. Uh, we want to wish Jordan the best in all his future endeavors, and... Um, you know, we, we may reevaluate in the coming weeks, but um, due to that take and that pick, um, we sent Jordan to Michigan, and, and we pray to God he stays there. <laughs> to be fair, last week for me was a, uh, was, was a down week, to say the least. Uh, my bets did not do what they were, you know, what I predicted them to be. They were very, very horrible. Bad takes. I know off, off the top of my head, I know that I had the Browns minus 11 and a half. Didn't think the Texans would cover that. They, the rookie quarterback came in and I was jumping up and down. I thought, this is it. This is, this is, this is the 11 and a half I was looking for. Oh, yeah. And it did not suffice. Never came to fruition. The uh, Ravens, <laughs> Chiefs under 55. That's a... Uh, that pick six came within a minute and 30 seconds in that football game. And I said, yep, that, there goes that under 55. That's that it almost happened immediately. That one, that one set the tone. And yeah. there was no looking back. It was just a, it was an all out brawl. Yep. I initially said in the podcast last week that it would, it were, it's either going to be under 55 or over 70 and it was over 70. So got, got, got brutally just rammed on that one. The, uh, the the one I thought was a lock throughout the whole week was the Cardinals and the Vikings at the Cardinals. Cardinals were uh, three and a half favorite, and they, to say the least, just did not perform to what I expected them to perform at. Kyler Murray, it was he was he was good at times, but he also showed he he can make some mistakes as a young quarterback. Yep. So that's what that's what my bets last week were looking at. Um, how did your bets do for you last week? Yeah, so uh, we had some mixed results last week on on this side. Um, first of all, the lock of the week was the over fifty five on Chargers and Cowboys. So the game the game to play the over was um, Vikings and uh, the Cardinals or the Ravens and the Chiefs. Um, this one, I don't know. The game total ended up being thirty seven. Uh, the The teams didn't have any problem moving the ball. They had over eight hundred total yards of offense in this game. Uh, but it kind of kind of came down to mistakes, right? So Dak Prescott, he had a pick. Justin Herbert had over 300 yards, but he threw two interceptions, including one in the red zone. 
we had Jared Cook uh, get a touchdown call back in the red zone. So just just some things went wrong, even though the ball was moving on both sides. Um, and and then the obviously you don't want Dallas to throw fifty plus times every week. That's not expected, but they definitely flipped a script a lot. This was a lot more even. They had thirty one runs to twenty seven pass attempts. So in, in that regard, the pace was a little bit slower. Um, so yeah, the over fifty five didn't get there. It wasn't even close. It was just kind of a, a odd game, despite the ball moving the way we anticipated. So, uh, do we do we want to get into fantasy fantasy picks now? Yeah, I was gonna go over my DFS picks from last week because I feel like in the DFS category we did we did pretty well. Yeah, I know last week your uh, lock was Chubb, great pick. We saw him reach the end zone once again. And uh, no, it was, it was a good overall pick. We we thought because you came over, we were watching it. Chubb got some. He was on one drive, and you they went off, and you said, "Damn, it's going to be Kareem Hunt next the next drive." Yeah. And they threw a pick, and it was it was like inside their twenty or something like that. And yep. you're like, "Damn, this is Kareem Hunt's drive." And Chubb comes out. We I was pretty surprised by that. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. It shows when their you know back is against the wall, so to speak. They still trust Chubb, mm-hmm. and they're not going to stick with that. You know. One one guy gets this drive, one guy gets the next game plan. So I think that is a positive if you're a if you're a Chubb fantasy owner. Yeah, that was a that was a great pick. I uh, last week I had Najee Harris. He was, I believe, sixty three hundred. He got nineteen point one fantasy points, which which at the value would be a three point zero three, which Pretty good value. Usually, if you see anybody a running back or a wide receiver over three, you did you did pretty well that week. Yep. CD Lamb, I had, I believe he was sixty five hundred, with seventeen point four. His value was at uh, two point seven one, so it wasn't terrible. But he, I believe, he still met met pretty good value there. The um, the fade I had last week was Debo Samuel, and the reason I had his fade was because I didn't think he was going to blow up and meet the price point of where he was being put. He had 16.1, and I believe he was 68, 6,900. Yeah. His value was 2.4, so it necessarily wasn't a bust week for him, but you you, you most mostly want to see that number over 2.5 into the threes for anybody wide receiver running back related. Yeah. Um. So on my side, you know, just, just like with Jordan last week, there comes to a point where uh, as a man, you got to face your demons in life. Today is that time. Um, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was my fade of the week. You know, it was off the cuff. Didn't put a lot of research into it, but um, I, I think the uh, the theory was good. Um, in the first half, it looked like it was it was a money fade. Um, they they went very heavy in the passing game. Julio Jones, um, he saw six for 128 last week and got robbed of a touchdown, by the way. So you were definitely happy if you had him. Um, A.J. Brown, not so much. He had the volume, but... Um, I, I will reference his tweet. He had he had nine targets, three catches, and according to the man himself, um, he said someone from my family told me I couldn't have caught COVID today if I tried to. So, you know, we we, we kind of know what went wrong there. Um, the Titans just totally flipped their game plan, rightfully so. They gave Derrick Henry a ton of touches in the second half, and a big development is he saw six targets in the passing game, which is just unheard of for Derrick Henry. So. Um, you know, he ended up with over 187 total yards in the second half alone. 
um, and ended up having the biggest day of anybody last week with 47 fantasy points, I believe it was. So, tough scene. Tough scene, but, you know, if, if you fade Derrick Henry, sometimes you pay, sometimes you don't. Last week I paid. That's fair. I, me personally, going into that podcast last week, I, I, I necessarily liked the fade. And I woke up on Sunday, and I texted the group chat. And I don't know what came over me. I don't know if it was me just second-guessing, but I said in the group chat, this smells like a Derrick Henry 40-point week, and I'll be damned if it happened. It happened. So d- despite some of the misses last week, um, you can trust us because Austin put a profit text in the group chat that morning, and it, it paid off. So please stick with us. Just There's going to be some days where we, we're going to say it on the podcast, and some days we're going to be a day late. It's just some yep. things happen. Yep. It's, but like you said, Derrick Henry, receiver in training, receiver in training. That's wild. I was, I was listening to the podcast we, we did last week and, and Jordan said, I'll believe it when I see it. Listen, buddy, <laughs> he just saw it. He saw it. That man just got six targets last week. Yep. Uh, very nice for Derrick Henry fantasy owners. If you, if you put any draft stock into him at all, <laughs> quick game recaps. I was pretty much going to go over um, some of the the good games that we watched, um, the close games. You know, we're not going to talk about the Bills blowing up the Dolphins. No one cares about it. It's it's what it is. The only the only real news coming out of that one is Tua, uh, possibly sidelined this week with the injury to his ribs. Yep. Don't know how long that's going to be. They act like it's not going to be too long. Maybe this week, and that'll be it. Too long. He he's definitely out this week. I I think the one thing to touch on there, it's disappointing that Tua got hurt. Because that was a that was kind of a prove it game for him against a tough Bills team to see what he's really made of, and he got taken out in the first quarter. So jury's still out on Tua, sadly, but that Dolphins team just could not move the ball without him, especially. It looks brutal with with their uh their future looks dim without Tua. Yes, to say the least. Yes, it does. One game I wanted to touch on was the uh, Vikings Cardinals. Uh, again, I had the uh, Cardinals minus three and a half. That that did not work out well for me. I I do remember saying last week that. Um, I don't see any way that the Vikings would cover three and a half. And I said, odds are Vikings are probably going to win now because I said it. And they had a chance at it. The field goal. They did. Oh, yeah. They (laughs) very well should have won that game. They absolutely should have. The very end, Cardinals ended up beating the Vikings by one. Vikings did have a chance to take the lead with that field goal late. Um, Anything you're taking away from this game? So you, you made a point that Kyler Murray, despite how explosive he is, he's gonna make some he's gonna make some mistakes. I think that's just a product of the offense. Um, you know, I, I think the Cardinals probably could have won that game by a touchdown. They had a turnover in the red zone. Um, but also the Vikings, they had their chance to win that game. So it was a fun one. I think there's a lot of stock to be put in both offenses, um, especially the Vikings run game and passing game. Um is what I'm taking away from that. I like that as well. I I think that the Cardinals are going to be in situations. I think their defense is going to put them in situations where they're going to have to score and they're going to have to pass. So having anybody on the Cardinals, Kyler Murray and wide receiver wise, you're going to be in a good position. Yeah. Now it's going to be kind of the same thing we have with the the Buccaneers and when who you want to play that week, who's gonna who's gonna come out on top and fantasy points wise that week. So uh, I agree with your Vikings as well. You're you know you're always going to have a good running game with Dalvin Cook there. Uh, Kirk Cousins at times looks competent, so you could, you know, you could see, you know, Justin Jefferson, uh, Thielen, another guy that's 
that's coming into the spotlight. KJ Osborne, I'm sure we'll hit on that a little bit later. Yes. Um, it's it's there's a lot of pass catchers going on in that game. It was a it was a shootout. So that was a that was a good game. I wanted to talk about another game that we also watched was the Titans Seahawks game. The uh, the the infamous Derrick Henry game. A tell of two halves. <laughs> yes. I believe going into the half, Derrick Henry only had eight, eight something. I'm, I'm not sure on the, the point value, but yeah, going from eight something to 40 is that, that, that doesn't seem real. Well, we, we saw the Titans gave him 41 total touches last week. When you give Derrick Henry 41 total touches, not only are you going to win that game, probably you're going to be sitting pretty in fantasy land. So that's, that's what they did. They went back to the well. And it worked better than it ever had before. And and this is coming from a guy that had a 2,000-yard season last year. He 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 had one of the best fantasy performances I've ever seen last week, and that was in the second half in overtime alone. It's uh, it's wild to think, even with how how much he ran the ball last season, how much he was used, he's still being used to that that same level. Yeah. This year, being how he has was a 2,000-yard rusher. It's absolutely insane. What do you think about the uh, Titans pass catchers? Who would you who would you really can you really trust anyone in fantasy on a weekly basis? It's tough. I think we're going to see some weeks where one week it's AJ Brown, one week it's Julio, because um, you know some weeks they are going to give Derrick Henry all these touches, and there's not going to be enough you know food on the plate, so to speak, for both those guys to eat. So I think you can trust both of them on most weeks. Um, but it's probably a predictable outcome that one week's going to be an A.J. Brown week where he gets 25. One week's going to be a Julio week where he gets 25. But I think as long as they see that 6-8 target range, both of them, they'll, they'll put up some pretty solid weeks. Also, I think moving forward, I think the, the wide receiver you really want is, is A.J. Brown. I think Julio's is going to be fine. He's going to, he's, like you said, he's going to get you some weeks where he might get you 6 to 10. There's going to be some weeks where he's going to get you 20. Yeah. I think the AJ Brown scenario is going to be kind of based off who who plays him, who shadows him. I think if you get a shadow corner on Brown, you can really see Julio go off on some teams. I know uh, tight end wise, you don't really want Ferkser. You don't want to really touch any of that. No. I know, like we said, Derrick Henry is now catching balls. So you know if you you target somebody six times, that's six targets that you're taking away from your wide receivers. Yeah, well, we'll see if that sticks. Um, I think it's probably within the outcome that Derrick Henry sees, you know, three to four targets every game. Six is is a lot for him, especially. Um, but I do agree with your point that I do think long term at the end of the season when it's all said and done, AJ Brown is the wide receiver one on this team. Absolutely. Moving on to the to the last game we're gonna talk about from last week. We also we watched the first half. Uh, it got it got pretty late there. We had to lay our head down a little bit. The Chiefs and Ravens. Yes. Another one, another bet of mine that just, that's going to eat me. That's really going to eat me this year. They open up the game, the Ravens, Lamar throws an immediate pick six. Is it something that we just, because I was told last week from Jordan that this is a pro-Lamar podcast. Can we confirm or deny that? So... I'm I'm a little more split, I think, down the middle. Jordan is very pro Lamar. I know uh, you know, we, we have the whole Lamar's a running back joke, especially from your end and, and Evan, who will be on this podcast eventually. Um 
I, I think he definitely bounced back in a big way from that first pick. Um, but the the Ravens' offense is just so catered to him that he's going to have some very explosive weeks. I think he definitely looked good in the past game last week. He he has a great connection so far this season with Hollywood Brown, um, especially. So, but he had 16 carries last week, and and as a quarterback, that's extremely unusual, very unseen. So, um, that he's he just continues to be a dual threat. But I think he's definitely serviceable enough in the passing game um, to be effective there and to get you some 300 yard weeks, some weeks for the DK bonus. But the rushing value is is still his you know his big point. Doubled, doubled Alvin Kamara's carries last week, by the way. Yes, Alvin he did. Alvin Kamara had eight. He had eight carries last week. Yeah. Lamar had 16. That's wild. I think Hollywood Brown is becoming one of his favorite targets. I am someone that invested in Mark Andrews this year. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed yet in him. I will say I thought that Mark Andrews was going to be Lamar's safety blanket. It doesn't seem like it. I think it, I believe it's Marquise Brown now. Um, we knew the the Ra- the Ravens running backs were not going to be much of pass catchers, just because Lamar is probably going to rather take it than right. dump it down to a running back. Right. But yeah, overall, I think the Ravens they they look really well. They, uh, I honestly I can't believe they won this game with how many interceptions were thrown and um. The Chiefs defense, I know I said last week they were mid, they're not in the middle. They are bottom three in the league. They are bad. Luckily, they have the offense to kind of cover for that with Patrick Mahomes. But, um, you know, last week they had the game in the bag. Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumbled the ball. He fumbled the bag, so to speak. Um, and the Ravens did just enough to capitalize on it. When it came down to it, fourth down, the Chiefs had nobody that can stop Lamar on that run, and they knew exactly what was coming. Speaking of that offense, Patrick Mahomes had a pretty good day. The one one person I came out a little bit worried, I'm not panicking, was Tyreek Hill. Didn't really get much much of a looks this week. That could be a product of the Ravens just wanting to take him completely out of the game. Yeah. With uh whether you're doing man on him that looked like they were trying to bracket him a little bit. Yep. Um I was a little surprised by that. Edwards Alaire just looked incompetent it didn't look like he was he doesn't look good he doesn't look good and he doesn't have a lot of um i guess value in the passing game either as much as we thought we would um because patrick mahomes being the quarterback he is he does not like to check the ball down he would rather just you know give it 10 yards to kelsey and that's their check down um it's it, it, it their offense really goes between that play right there and then a 50 plus yard bomb to tyreek hill or or maybe hardman here and there so that's kind of what we're looking at. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is 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 in trouble in this offense, especially with this usage. And I think I think you're fine with Travis Kelce. It's a set it and forget it type of type of guy. He's gonna yeah. He's gonna get you 15 plus every week, I believe. Also, one more thing. I I hate to bounce back and forth, but we forgot the Seahawks. I just kind of wanted to go over one thing with them real quick because we know Tyler Lockett and DK they're gonna get theirs. Yep. Um, and every other week. Um, there's not much to talk about with Chris Carson. He's going to get you some too. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a difference maker. But Russell Wilson, could this be the the year he finally gets one MVP vote? Is he going to get one? It, it's tough for him. The problem last year is he just doesn't throw that much. Even with all of his, you know, the good fantasy stats he did put up. Um, I think the Seahawks they still want to be somewhat run dominant, so that kind of hurts him. But. I mean, so far, he's balling out. The t- The connection with Tyler Lockett so far this year has been nuts. 
So I, I think he probably should have received some MVP votes last year or even the year before. He was definitely deserving. So jury's still out on that one. It, it kind of depends on the volume, I think. All righty, moving right along, we're going to talk about the games that are going to be coming up this week, what to expect from them. First game we're going to get right into is the Washington Bills matchup. What could possibly be the Bills game plan looking at this Washington defense that's supposed to be good but been struggling lately? Yeah, I think they definitely want to get Josh Allen going in this game. So far, I think everybody expecting him to kind of replicate or even top what he did last year, but he's he's starting to look more like 2019 Josh Allen than 2020 Josh Allen. So I think the Bills are going to make it an emphasis to really get the passing game going. The connection to Diggs, I think, is a big emphasis on that one. Um, it, it may be a case, too, where John Brown is not in the offense right now, and I think it's definitely showing, but... Um, I think Washington is is certainly more beatable in the secondary than they are in that front um, front defensive line headline by Chase Young. I don't think much needs to be said about him. So I think the uh, the pass game is definitely going to be the emphasis here, and and they they're going to look to get Josh Allen off to a very hot start. I completely agree. I think the Josh Allen situation right now is not ideal for the Bills. They were not expecting to be to be this. I wouldn't say hurt, but to be this frustrated this early on with Josh Allen. Again, he he just put up 35 on the Dolphins, but it is the Dolphins, um, which I thought was a pretty good defense. But you can't really be a good defense if you're out there, you know, 80% of the game. It's, yep. it's just not going to happen that way. So looking ahead, I think from uh, the Washington standpoint on offense, I think we could um, – I think we're going to see Antonio Gibson break out this game. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's going to be my hot take this week. Okay. I think this is the week that they start giving him the damn ball. It, what is J.D. McKissick doing in that goddamn game? What's he doing? You know what I mean? I, I just I, – I don't get it. I think, I think Antonio Gibson should be used heavily. I think he should get 90% of the snaps, and I think he should at least get 20 touches this game. Now, I think – Personally, I believe that Washington's going to be down a little bit, so it's not going to really work in his game plan to get rush rushes. Yeah, but I think he's going to get some passing work, along with, of course, McLaurin's going to get his. Logan Thomas sprinkling a little bit here and there. Uh, what do you think about the Washington offense heading into this week against the Bills? Yeah, so to kind of piggyback off that, I th- I would love to see Gibson more involved in the passing game. Um, I do think, though, if they get down, like, let's say it's 14-0 out the gate, which could be possible if the Bills are clicking, then he might be in trouble. Um, J.D. McKissick, he's fine for his role. He does make plays. You know, I'm not saying he's, like, an invaluable player or anything like that, but we touched on this last week. Gibson is literally a wide receiver turned running back. I think if if, uh, Ron Rivera smartens up a little bit and puts Gibson in this two-minute offense and in this passing role, you can see what he can do. And he's definitely going to be more effective, I would think, than J.D. McKissick, despite the fact that that is working. It's basically taking something that's good and making it great. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Gibson is is a super talented player. He's just not getting that um, RB1 usage quite yet. Um, and then, of course, McLaurin. He's going to have a tough matchup this week with White. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. But um, with the volume, he's probably going to see anywhere from 8 to 12 targets in that range. And he's good enough to overcome a tough matchup. And, of course, overcome any quarterback concerns um, if there is any. So he's not he's not somebody I'm, I'm looking at super heavily fantasy-wise, but he's probably a safe play if you're doing cash or, or anything like that. Completely agree. Completely agree 100% on that one. Now we're going to move on from that game. We're going to head over to the Bears and Browns game. 
This is going to be a hot one. This is officially Fields' first NFL start in Davis. Yes, yes, this is an interesting matchup. Um, just just kind of going to the Bears' offense. What what do you think we could expect uh, value wise from players with Fields on the field? Yeah, it's a little bit tough. I, I maybe jumped the gun a little too soon last week where I said the offense would just click so much more if you take Andy Dalton off the field. Um, they did win the game, but I think Justin Fields has some very obvious deficiencies. Um, he didn't top 100 yards passing last week when he was in the game. He definitely looked to run more so than pass. So he does that. He does have that going for them. Their offense is definitely uh, a bit more versatile with him in the game, but he, he doesn't have super great pocket presence. He ran into a couple sacks last week, um, and I don't, I don't think the accuracy is there yet for him. So um, I, I don't know. This is a tough matchup. The Browns defense, I think, is the real deal. Uh, they have a lot of, of, of great talent on that side of the ball. So we're going to see what happens. I think they definitely lean on his running ability more so than passing. But, you know, if they get down, he's going to have to show us what he has in that in that arm. So to, to kind of think about what the Bears offense would look like with Fields, I think there's maybe maybe two other guys besides Fields that you would maybe consider for fantasy to be somewhat of viable options i think you know alan robinson's going to be of course your wide receiver that you want yeah i personally i have invested in darnell mooney and i'm 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 not going to touch him i i mean he could come out and get you know eight targets from him but i would like to see it more on a consistent basis i want to see fields throw the ball a little more before i before i do anything wide receiver wise i think you could maybe see um Montgomery get some runs this week. Fields, I'm interested to see what Nagy does with that. I want to see if he possibly does maybe some RPOs with him. Yeah. Because it's not it's not that Nagy hasn't had a, a mobile quarterback, but you know, he had Foles one year. Um he had Dalton to start the year. I want to see what he does with a running quarterback. I think he might change the game game plan up a little bit. I think you sh- if you have Fields. That's great for you. I don't think you'd play him this week yet. You still want to see what he can do. Like you said, also with Browns being a tough matchup, yeah. he's going to be, he's probably going to be getting out of that pocket a lot more. Like you said, he didn't really have pocket presence as he should. And I think that's going to be troublesome against the Browns. Moving over to the other side of the ball for the Browns, OBJ is going to be back this week. I know he's that's back. I know that's one of your guys. He's that's, back. Yes, he is. That's one of your guys there. Um, what what do you think is going to be the game plan for the Browns with that stifling Bears D-line? Yeah, so this is kind of a tough matchup for, a I think, a run-first team still, despite Baker's hot start. Um, he's played very well, but I know they always want the ball to go through Chubb and Kareem Hunt specifically, so we'll see how effective they are. I think Cleveland's O-line talent is, is still there for them to be productive, but I, I look at OBJ. This is his first game back. He was a full go in practice this week. They look to get him going early and often, I think, especially with Jarvis Landry out, none of the other receivers really stepping up yet. Um, I think we see a lot of short inner, inner, wow, words, (laughs) Jesus Christ, words. Um, I I think we see a lot of short intermediate work to the tight ends. Um, And then, of course, OBJ, assuming he is healthy, which it looks like he is, definitely going to see a throwback game from him where he gets some, some slants that he can take to the house and some deep shots, hopefully, as well. So we'll see what happens. Excited for him to be back, though. I completely agree with you on the tight end. I believe this is going to be a game where the Browns run a lot of heavy two tight end sets. 
I think they're going to be doing a lot of play action just to kind of get that Bears D-line to to literally just slow down just a little bit so they can't get enough pressure on Baker. Yeah. I think that's going to be the key is just trying to get that Bears defense to to not get pressure on them. You, you saw Burrow had trouble with, with the Bears, and I don't think Baker's going to have that trouble. I think they're going to get that uh, run game trying to go. Like I said, the key is going to be a lot of play action. Get a couple of OBJ double moves, maybe downfield. You know oh. what I'm saying? It's it's if that was if I was a coach, I would be doing a lot of play action, double tight end sets. I think you're going to see a lot of the tight ends get heavily involved this week. Moving on from that game, we have a, another, uh, well, not another, but it's an AFC North matchup: the Bengals and the Steelers <laughs> this week. A uh, a nasty rivalry. By the way, Jordan, go fuck yourself. <laughs> a Bears Bengals matchup. This one, this one usually gets pretty nasty. Um, what do you? What can you expect this week from the the Bengals offensive value with the hurt Steelers defense? Yeah, I think they can definitely show a lot more than they did last week. Number one, um, the Steelers are banked up. No TJ Watt um, specifically is is a big reason for that one. Um, I think this is a game where they can kind of lean on the run. Uh, I think through the first two weeks, they've shown they're willing to give Mixon the ball a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pittsburgh does in the run defense. Um, so I think they, they kind of lean towards the um, running game more so than the passing game and let that open up some opportunities for Joe Burrow. Um, no, no Higgins this week. So that's a little bit tough. So we're going to see some more work for Jamar Chase. Going to see some more work for Tyler Boyd. And then their tight ends on the team as well. So... We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, and I don't know, man. The, the Steelers, God, it's it's week three, and they're falling apart. <laughs> Already. So it's it's going to be an interesting game and, and definitely one that's winnable for the Bengals. Took, it, took, it took 11 weeks last year for us to completely just fall off the face of the earth, but it's going early this year. My expectation for the Bengals this week would be I see a lot of running in, the, uh, in Joe Mixon's future. Yeah. I noticed – on NFL Next Gen Stats, Peyton Barber was the running back that ran the most against the Steelers last week. When TJ Watt went out, they had multiple 10 plus yard rushes to the left side. Hot take. We're doing our studying over here, people. So I think I think Joe Mixon to the left this week is gonna be uh well technically it would be Joe Mixon's right, but left on the defense. We're gonna see a lot of a lot of runs to the right for Joe Mixon. I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Burrow. And with, with the Steelers being hurt defensively, defensive backs, I think it's going to be troublesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this Steelers are – it's week three. Like you said, we're falling apart. It's It seems like it's happened every year. Um, different weeks. It's all it is. It's I don't get it. I know there's multiple teams that are injury-ridden. Uh, one notably in the AFC North would be the Ravens. They I, they get somebody hurt every week that's out for the season, but yeah. it's um it's pretty frustrating to say the least. But it's what you got to deal with. It's what every team deals with. So you got to take your punches and roll with them. What do you think on the other side of the ball? The Steelers' offense are going to look to do against this uh, Bengals defense that hasn't necessarily been bad, but hasn't been the best. Yeah, I think the Bengals' run defense in particular is a lot better than advertised. Um, still very beatable in the secondary, but it looks like Deontay Johnson is going to be a no-go this week. And Big Ben is playing with, on a hurt pectoral muscle. So 
we're, we're, we're trotting out TikTok stars Chase Claypool and Boo Boo Smith Schuster out there. So I think this is a game where they once again try to lean on Najee Harris, definitely get him as many touches as possible and, and hope that the game script falls in their fla- favor. Um, I think we're going to see 15 to 20 touches at least for Harris, and that's probably on the low end, um, you know, especially to kind of cover for Big Ben's injuries at this point in the season. So we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see how effective Claypool and, and Boo Boo can be. But I think this is a game that they should definitely lean in the run. Um, really, really the same the same game script as the Bengals. I think this is going to be a pretty run heavy game. I um I completely agree. I think this is going to be another Najee Harris game, like you said, with Big Ben having that that hurt pectoral. I don't see him throwing over thirty times this game, unless of course it was something so minor that they Pittsburgh just isn't worried about it. Right. But I think it's a I think it's a deeper issue because he was on the injury report for most of the week. I believe Thursday he officially got cleared for full practice. So that's still pretty late in the week. Mike Tomlin is usually very good at being transparent about the injuries. So, you know, you can you can possibly say that he's just playing on the safe side. But with it being Thursday, I don't think you see a lot of a lot of passes from him. Of course, you're you're gonna get some from him, but I think it's gonna be a lot of a lot of what the Pittsburgh offense did last year where they were just dinking and dunking. There's not gonna be anything really downfield. Yeah. There might be there might be a couple, you know, keep them honest passes, but I don't think anything major that the Bengals defense or secondary would get toasted at all. Mike Hilton revenge game, by the way. Ooh, we love to see a revenge game. Also, I think another um interesting one is James Washington, right? Is feeling mm-hmm. as the third guy. He demanded a trade. Did so he really? He did. I this one. He demanded a trade in the preseason. So gonna see how many targets he gets in this one. It's gonna be interesting. I think I think him. I, I honestly, I didn't even remember he demanded a trade. I that one flew over my head there. I think that's a product of him being frustrated. It's the he's the four. Yeah, that's just what it is. Yeah. Claypool's better than him. I mean, Juju's better than him. Deontay's better than him. It is what it is. You had your chance, didn't suffice. It's whatever. It's listen. It's what happens. It's the NFL. He he has his chance this week, so we'll see. But the, this is definitely going to be a run heavy dink and dunk type of game. Uh, a good hard-nosed AFC North type of game. This is the nasty one. This, this is the nasty AFC, game. AFC Norths are usually nasty. Yep. And they've recently gotten more nastier now that the Browns have been somewhat competent. It's actually insane. Miles Garrett's throwing helmets at people. So, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely insane. This is crazy. Just going, I hate, like I said, I hate jumping back and forth, but I forgot to mention one thing about the Bengals. Mixon has 82 yards after contact this week. The Bengals are... Um, not allowing contact until a yard at one yard point twenty six, and then they get contact. So I think okay. it's something. You, I think it's something you want to look forward to. Like I said, um, with with TJ being hurt, that's going to be it. That's going to be a big problem. Moving on from that game, we have a AFC. Let's see, it's got to be AFC East. No, it's West. Hundred percent. No, no, it's not. It's AFC South. People, AFC South. We, we three. Trust me, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're rusty here. We got the we got the Colts Titans game. It's gonna be a that's gonna be a pretty interesting game for me. That's probably one I'm gonna be having my eyes on. What do you think is gonna be the Titans offensive game plan? I know we touched on uh, Julio and AJ there at the start. Yeah, but do you think this is gonna be possibly a game for them? I think it definitely could be. Um, regardless, they're they're gonna ride that wave of momentum they have coming out of Seattle. Um, I think we see kind of, you know, they'll give Derrick Henry his touches. 
um, I think. But this Colts secondary, I think they've shown to be very beatable. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both had great games week one. Uh, we know what Cooper Cup did to that defense last week. So I think they get creative here, put A.J. Brown in the slot, give, give him some looks there, and, and try to get the ball downfield. But um, I think this is this is a game where everybody can eat. I think this is one that the Titans Titans really control. I agree with you on the A.J. Brown pick. I have him going off this week. A.J. Brown, his average depth of target is 16.69. The Colts are 28th in the league at yards per attempt at nine. Yeah, so so fun fact, A.J. Brown is actually leading the league in air yards. This He's leading the league in air yards, and I think that stat is proven. It's bound to convert eventually. He's getting yes. the looks. It just needs to convert. I think this is the week. This is going to be the A.J. Brown week. Yes. Julio got his last week. This is this is the week that you could see A.J. Brown getting 25-plus. I mean, it's, it's, it's lining up. It's lining up very perfectly. Um, again, the the Derrick Henry, you know what you're going to get with him. You're probably going to get 20 rushes out of him, maybe even more depending on how game script goes. Yeah. If the Titans are up, they're just going to feed that that big-ass man. I mean, it's that's all it's going to be to it. I, I don't see – I don't see anything surprising going to happen in this game. Like I said, I think you're going to get a lot of A.J. Brown, Henry uh, yards going here. Like I said, Julio might do something here, but I think it's I think it's AJ, line up A.J. Brown. Yeah, I think this is all A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Moving on to the other side of the ball, is there any cult that you can that you can trust here? I, I think Jonathan Taylor probably. I, I don't really love anybody in the past the game. I know Pittman had a good performance um, last week. Zach Paschal kind of seems to be Wentz's number one guy, but I don't think either of them are really going to move the needle fantasy-wise. So I think Jonathan Taylor is probably your best bet, and um, I, I think we're seeing a good chance that they do lean on that run game, um, him and, and the other backs that they use, because Carson Wentz, he, Carson Wentz, tough guy, right? He's coming in in this game. He's going to try to give it a go on two sprained ankles. So I... I don't know. I mean, we'll see how that works out for them. I really think it's probably in their best interest that he takes a week off, but if he's going to play, they're going to lean on that run game a lot more heavier than the pass. I agree. Just put Jacob Eason out there. Maybe give him a little chance. I mean, Wentz, yeah. you know you know what you're going to get with wins. Eason could pan out to be something special. I agree with the Jonathan Taylor. I think that's going to be your guy that you pretty much are going to play and sit, maybe forget about it. I know he had a couple of off weeks. Don't look too much into it. This Colts offense will get it going. I think somebody you should also keep an eye on. Wentz has notoriously favored tight ends. I mean, they had Zach Ertz and they drafted Dallas Goddard. I mean, yeah, the dude loves tight ends. I think you should keep an eye out for Jack Doyle. I think maybe throughout the season, once they start building rapport, he could he could turn into something that is pretty unexpected. Maybe I wouldn't say the year that he exploded with. I believe it was Andrew Luck that year. It was close to the year that they got that Andrew Luck retired. I think it was Andrew Luck's last year that Doyle had a had a pretty good fantasy year. Um, yeah, that's 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 two guys that I would look at. But like going off what you said, Michael Pittman, he's going to be fine. I just it's not, I don't think you can trust him every week. You know, just like you you can't really trust Doyle yet, but it's someone to keep an eye on. But you can trust Taylor. It'll be fine for you. Moving right along here. We're just about halfway through the games. We got a Chiefs and Chargers. 
matchup that's going to be very interesting. That's what's going to be fun. What do you think? What What are we going to expect from this game? I know you said we could possibly see a uh, a high scoring game. Does is this the week that Tyreek blows up? We'll see. I mean, you saw what he can do in week one. Um, that 75-yard bomb where the Cleveland defenders ran into each other. Um, I know that specifically because I was playing him in fantasy that week. Good times. Um, so Tyreek Hill, obviously, he's he has that boomer bust ability. Um, I think he's back on the boom side this week against that Chargers secondary. Um, what, what's going to be interesting here, I think, is is what happens with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, he's 4,800 in DraftKings this week, so they're practically begging us to play him. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what his ownership is looking like, but at 4,800 against a Chargers defense that really got gashed by Dallas last week in the run game, um, there could be some opportunity for him there. But you know, the the Chiefs. I think it's proven. Andy Reid loves to throw the ball. He has Patrick Mahomes for God's sakes. He's gonna throw the ball. So Tyreek Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are gonna be in a good. Are gonna be in a great spot in this game environment. I'll be interested to see what the Chargers do with Tyreek Hill. It seems like the, the Ravens last week did a very good job of containing him. Like I said, I haven't really watched much film in that game. I didn't know if they maybe ran a man or bracketed him. I would assume they bracketed him because running man with Tyreek Hill just... That's not, not the move. It's not going to happen. No. So, I would kind of... I would agree. I think I think you're going to get a Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelce week. Like... It's to expect every week almost. It's it's just like I don't I don't see a week where you're not saying it's gonna be a Tyreek Hill kills week. But you know, there's gonna be games where Tyreek Hill does what he does and you know drops an egg for most, but it's not really an egg. Yeah. And and just to add quickly, if you wanna stack Mahomes with, you know, either Kelsey or Hill or both, that's an expensive stack and you're gonna have not a lot of room to work with. I think one guy that's interesting to look at on the Chiefs side of the ball is is McCole Harmon. He's thirty eight hundred this week. He got he got a, quite a bit of looks last week. That maybe was because Tyreek Hill was shut down. Maybe it's not. But Harmon is always a guy that's kind of talked about. He has some explosive ability. It's kind of like he's always been a big what if and a potential guy. So I think at that price point, if you do want to get a piece of this game on the Chiefs side, he might be interesting to look at. And it, quite frankly, is a pretty interesting pivot from Clyde Edwards Hilaire around that cheap price point. Completely agree. Like everything there. Uh, like I said, most most everyone knows what to expect from the Chiefs offense. It's not going to really be a surprise from week on. Yep. Week in, week out. Now moving on to the other side of the ball. This is good. This is an interesting one. I have uh I have my thoughts on this offense. Okay. As you know, the people of the podcast don't know that I'm a a Keenan Allen Stan. Keenan. Keenan. I told Maddie I'm going to be naming my son that. So don't can't confirm that yet. But future wide receiver one. Yeah, future. So this is this one's going to be a rough one for me. I think Mike Williams has he's got an opportunity to overtake this wide receiver one. I agree. I think it's I think Keenan's going to get the most. Uh, tension from defenses, and I think that's going to work out perfectly for Mike Evans. I also think you have another pass catcher with Eckler. I mean, he's going to get he's going to get five targets a game around that area. Yeah, could possibly more one game, maybe a little bit less another. I'm interested to see what Herbert does. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily disappointed with him, but he's definitely not as good as he was last year. And I, I don't think if that is a product of 
the teams he's played so far because he has played a couple of pretty good teams. You know, the Washington defense. Dallas doesn't really have a great defense, but they got some pretty good cornerbacks. They usually shadow as well. So you could you could see him maybe take off this week on the Chiefs defense that I was completely wrong about. I thought they were going to be mid-tier, maybe bottom mid, but they are bottom bottom, big time. They are not good, to say the least. I think this could be a big day for the Chargers. I agree. Um, Justin Herbert, obviously he hasn't had the like popping fantasy points he had last year. I think that's a product of turnovers. He hasn't been super secure with the ball so far this year. Um, like I pointed to last week, he had two picks. But he's still throwing a ton. Um, he's, he's averaging over 300 yards a game. And I really, really like him in this game environment. He's probably my top quarterback pick of the week. Um, so I like him to kind of bounce back and show some of that 2020 Herbert for us. Um, and then Mike Williams. I was hoping we would talk about Mike Williams. <laughs> I should have talked about Mike Williams last week because I think through two weeks, we know, we know what this offense is operating on. Um, I'll get my numbers back a little bit here. So um, Joe Lombardi, right? He's the ex-Saints offensive coach. He's using Mike Williams in the same type of way that he used Mike Thomas. Slant boy, slant boy, by the way. He's using him in this like ex-receiver type of role. So, you know, we saw his his average depth of target last year was 15.8 yards, um, which was the fifth highest in the league. They love going to Mike Williams on deep shots. Um, this year we're seeing a lot more targets um, and a lot more, or, or excuse me, a lot less average depth of target at 9.9 this year. Wow. So... You know, that's that's equal to 882 and one in week one and 791 and one last week. So he's putting up those Michael Thomas S lines. He's getting a ton of looks in the red zone and he's he's really the guy that's moving the ball for them as opposed to, you know, how, how Keenan Allen used to be used. So that kind of hurts Keenan Allen in a way, um, but he still has that wide receiver one value, I think. But Mike Williams is super he's a super viable every week play now certified stud he's a certified stud i'm definitely comfortable with him every week if he's getting this type of usage like you said i'm glad you brought up the offensive coordinator i think also it's a product of him not like you said he's he's wanting to use him as an x receiver yeah and keenan's not really an outside receiver you see a lot of keenan in the slot i think i'd have to go look at the numbers but him lining out to the left and right isn't the same percentage as him lining in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you go back to the Saints last year, they didn't really use the slot to their advantage last year. It was mostly like Michael Thomas and, you know, Kamara, yep. which, again, we're going to go back to it. That's going to help Eckler. That's all, all it's going to do is just help his value. It's going to skyrocket his, his fantasy points and could potentially see him to be a top five running back this year. Moving right along, speaking of the Saints, We've got a Saints and Patriots matchup. This uh that Saints team last week was to put it nicely brutal. Quite the come down. Yeah. Is this the week Kamara bounces back? I don't think so. I, I think this is another week where you you fade Kamara. The Patriots defense is tough. They are tough on both sides of the ball. Um, Zach, they had Zach Wilson particularly seeing ghosts in the passing game last week, and they haven't let too much up in the rushing game. So, um, Kamara, if he gets the usage, he could probably get there, but he only had eight touches or eight carries, excuse me, last week. And he needs a lot more reception work to really be effective. He's not too effective just on the ground alone. So I think Bill Belichick, he's always so great at taking that one guy away. 
So I I really do not like Kamara this week. I like that as well. I I have it written down that the New England defense leads the league in yards before contact with point four three. They're not getting half a yard before the New England's defense is back there. And and I don't think it gets any easier. I do think the New Orleans offensive line is pretty good. I think they're competent enough to maybe give him a couple holes. But that that's that defensive line is that's great work. Um, and like you said, Belichick, he's he is so good at just taking your one guy out and saying, all right, beat us with the others. Jameis is one of those guys that if they get down, he doesn't check down. He's wanting to throw that ball and he will throw five picks if you let him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he is not someone that is, you know, secure with the ball. I think if when you see the Saints up is when you're going to see Jameis secure with the ball. He's not going to he's not going to turn it over. Just like you saw with the Packers, he's not going to turn it over too many times. Yep. He's going to take care of it. But when they're down, he's he wants to get it back, and he's going to do anything that he can to get it back. And you saw that last week with Kamara only getting four catches. I believe he had six targets. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to depend on game script for Kamara. But I do agree. I don't think it's going to be a great week for Kamara. I think you're still going to get 12 out of him, maybe 15. It's just going to, like I said, it's going to depend on that game script and how how the Saints, if they score quick, if they if they get down quick, um, it's all going to depend on people. It's it's pretty simple. It's cut and dry. Any any Patriots on the opposite side of the ball that you can trust? I like Damian Harris. Um... You know, if he kind of gets that, we, we've seen like 15 carries, that type of range through the first two weeks. I think if he gets that usage, you're probably pretty comfortable with him. Um, I do like Jacoby Myers a lot in the passing game. I liked him a lot last week. Specifically, he didn't quite get there. He didn't get, he get, he didn't get a touchdown. He ended up with around 50 yards on seven catches, I think. Um, so I do like him in this offense. I think you look towards those guys. And then, of course, James White. He always has his value. You know, he's, yes, he he's good for those four to five catches per game. He's going to get some red zone looks, so I think those are my top three picks on the Patriots side. And Mac Jones, I don't really love him. I think there's a lot better quarterback plays this week, and I don't, I'm not sure there's a lot of scoring to be had in this game, to be honest. So we'll see. Yeah, it's all like I said. It's going to depend on you know game script. I, the Patriots usually when they get up, they like to run the ball a lot. You've seen that with uh, with with Harris yeah. and White. I think the Patriots have the offense to make two running backs very viable in fantasy. I think, you know, like you were hitting that James White, I think he's going to be your third down back that can get you some some balls that, that Mac Jones is going to check down, and then Damian Harris is going to get you those rushing yards and go line work. Yep. As uh, far as pass catchers, completely agree. I think it's Jacoby Myers and then everyone else. I don't see a scenario where you're playing any other Patriots wide receiver or going out to get any. Uh, John o. Smith was somebody that people were trying to keep an eye out on, but with Hunter Henry there, you can't you can't really trust it. You don't know who it's going to go to that week. Yeah, they they kind of just cancel each other out. So right. it, unfortunately, like when they were on when Henry was on the Chargers, and of course um, John o. Smith was on the Titans, uh, we saw they were you know the clear cut and dry tight end ones on their teams, and you know the Patriots. Kudos to them for getting both those guys, but it's awful for fantasy. That's and that's that's the scenario with a lot of these teams, you know. When you have pass catchers like that, you just don't know who it's going to go to that week. I mean, the Tampa Bay is notorious for this. You, uh, just 
I don't know who to do. I have have Evans and Brown. It's just like throw yeah. a dart, dude. Like just blindfold me. I'll just throw something. Hope it sticks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so the, those are the Patriots that you can can trust. You know, there's not really anybody you can have your eye on. If if you do have James White on your waiver wire, which if you do, probably going to be ten to eighteen team leagues. Um, you're not going to really find them probably in twelve, but I would I would go get him. I think if Harris ever, you know, God forbid he gets hurt, White is going to have a huge role in this offense. I yeah. think he's going to be the guy that gets all your rushes and all your passes because I don't I don't really see anybody else in that backfield that's gonna that's gonna do something because they got rid of Sony Michelle. They no value to us, buddy. See ya. We don't need you. So I think I think he's a good stash and and wait four player. Um but yeah, so moving right along, next game. We've got we've got the a dome game. Woo! Oh, love that. We've got the Seahawks and the Vikings in the dome. In the dome. What what's what's going on with the Seahawks team, man? Is this another locket week? God. You know, we talked about it last week. And I mean history kind of proved that, right? Like one week he would go off for 30 and then, you know, for like six weeks he would have a bunch of average games. So it's it's looking like Tyler Lockett could be the wide receiver one in this team. He's putting up some very similar stat lines to one uh, Cooper Cup. So, Ooh. you know, I, I don't think anybody predicted that where Locker or Lockett and Cup were, um, you know, your top two receivers going into week three. But um, I do like Lockett this week. I saying this probably going to jinx it, but I still, I still think it's DK Metcalf week. I still think it it's could be his team. He could be the wide receiver one in this team. He just has to get some more looks. Um, he's going to see probably a lot of Patrick Peterson this week, who at, at his current age is not what he used to be. Um, we saw DK Metcalf burn him last year in their matchup against the Cardinals. So I think this is a winnable one for him. You know, if, if he's seeing, you know, seven to eight targets, I like him a lot. And I think I, I think they can both eat. I think Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf can both eat in this offense. I, uh, me and you... I think we see eye to eye on almost we've seen eye to eye almost everything today. I, I agree that it's gonna be it's gonna be a big week for the pass catchers. Lockett, you know, you hinted at it putting up close to Cooper Cup numbers. Yeah. He's got uh one point zero one fantasy points per route run. That's third in the league. It is astronomical. I don't think he can keep that up. If he keeps that up, he would be he would lead he would break records almost. Yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. The average in the league is around 0.4, so you should see that come down. I don't know if that'll happen this week. I believe it will. But you also, you look on the other side, DK Metcalf is getting 26 targets per route run as well, which is pretty good. The league average in that, in that case is around 19. So you're still seeing him getting over league average in targets for every route that he's run. Uh, just on the contrary, just to kind of compare, Lockett's getting 28, so he's also he's higher than DK, but it's the league average. It's it's well over. Yeah, they're, they're close. Um, just a just another comparison for them. Both have each ran uh, 57 routes, so it's not like one's getting favored over the other. You're still going to get both out there most of the time. So, but I, I completely agree. I think this is a this is lining up to be a DK week, and he's going to be in my lineup. He's it's going to be the one. Fantasy gods, please. <laughs> we we're gonna get into that one a little bit later. 
anything on Chris Carson as far as what you would do with him fantasy wise, or if he's even even in consideration in DK or uh, DFS any week? He's solid. He's he's in that six thousand dollar price range. There's probably some better plays than him, but he is safe. Um, last week in particular, he was saved by those two touchdowns. He only had thirty one yards on the ground, and oddly didn't get used in the passing game at all. So we hope to see that change um, against the Vikings here. Definitely a beatable matchup. I think he's a good play if you want to go to him. Yeah, I think he's solid. I think this is going to be one of those where he's good for the Seahawks, not good for fantasy. Because you know what you're probably going to get out of him every week? I think he's one of those guys that has a high floor, low ceiling type of players. You know pretty much what you're going to get out of him every week. Totally agree. I, uh, I, think, this is, I think this is Russell Wilson year, man. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Russell Wilson win MVP. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Wow, I'm confident in it. Over Kyler Murray, huh? I'm confident in it. Okay. I think I think the reason that Russell would get it over him would be because of lack of mistakes on Wilson's part. I think Kyler could possibly go double digit interceptions this year, but Kyler Murray does have where he's using his legs. Wilson will too, but Kyler Murray more than more than him. I'm going to go ahead and say, I, that's going to be my, my, if I was betting today, people, throw it at Russell Wilson MVP. I don't know the odds right now. I'm going to go check it after this podcast. I'm throwing money at it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Okay. On, on to the other side of the ball. Is KJ Osborne, listen, <laughs> I get so frustrated at this. This is, has to be one of the most frustrating things because we, again, we, we've already talked about it on one team where you have so many pass catchers, you don't know who to play every week, and then all of a sudden, here comes this K.J. Osborne guy just says, hey guys, I'm going to be a part of this too. What is going on? Yeah, so it seems with the injury of Irv Smith, they've kind of pivoted to this three-receiver set, whereas last year it was Thielen and Jefferson on the outside and then Irv Smith um, in the intermediate. So it's it doesn't hurt um, Jefferson and Thielen's value too, too much. I think through the first two weeks, they still got theirs, but they're not having the huge performances, Jefferson in particular, that we were seeing last year. So KJ Osborne is a thing. He's running very similar routes. And I think he does have some semblance of fantasy value with, you know, them not using their tight ends at all. Um, but I, it, it's not a killer. I think Jefferson, he's 20 to 30 points walking every week. And then Thielen is, you know, Kirk Cousins loves Thielen in the end zone. I think we've seen that so far through two weeks. But yes, KJ Osborne, wide receiver three for the Vikings and may have some weeks where he... He does better than Jefferson and Thielen, unfortunately. I just, I, it's so frustrating to me. Not necessarily somebody that I would trust in DFS yet. If you have him in fantasy, it's looking pretty well. I don't know. Thielen might be having a contract year coming up. Yeah. So that could be a possibility if you're in a dynasty league to stash him and you might have a wide receiver too on your hands. Um, as far as Dalvin Cook, like we said, you know what you're going to get out. He's kind of, Derrick Henry-esque, when he's going to get you probably 20 runs, he's going to get involved in the passing game more than Derrick Henry will be. It's just going to yeah. depend on what kind of D-line he's playing that week. I don't necessarily think the Seahawks' D-line is too terrible to run against, but they are definitely not in the bottom half, I don't believe. Yeah, so Dalvin Cook um, in particular is, is a little bit interesting this week. He didn't practice all week, so he's, he's got a rib issue, I believe it is. Yeah, or no, sorry, ankle issue. He had that ankle injury in the um, the Cardinals game last week. So Madison could be an interesting play um, at a cheap price point if he's out. Um, but Cook, I, I think 
you know, obviously he's kind of a set and forget guy. We saw what Derrick Henry did last week on a lot of touches, of course, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Madison could be a, a very interesting play. I think if Dalvin cook um, is a no-go and might change the slate a little bit. I think that's a good one. Like we said, people we're, we're recording this on Saturday. We don't have all the updates and the scoops. So, you know, this is, it's kind of a scenario where we're just recording now and, you know, if an injury happens, an injury happens. Yep. Good point by Hughes. Keep your eye out on Alexander Madison this week. The next game we have coming up is, in my opinion, I believe it's the game of the week. America's game of the week. America's game of the week. <laughs> this is the Rams and Bucks. I think this one is going to be lights out. I I absolutely love this matchup this week. I love everything that this game has and entails. Um, looking at the Rams first, I mean, here's the thing. I get so frustrated with this. Is Cooper Cup, is this a thing? Is this a thing from here on out? Obviously, he can't keep up with the production that he's having, but is he going to be a thing week in and week out? I think so. I think Cooper Cup is is the new wide receiver one on this team, um, as, as opposed to Robert Woods last year. Um, Cooper Cup is off to an incredible start. Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, they are drawing up plays for him um, on a very consistent basis. And his usage has just been insane through the first two weeks. So I think Cooper Cup is definitely the clear um, WR1 on this team. But Robert Woods, Robert Woods, <laughs> bit of a slow start to the year, uh, especially for those that own him in fantasy. You, you, can, <laughs> you will definitely notice that. But he still has four red zone looks through two weeks. Um, the, uh, the Jefferson thing is kind of interesting where they're running a similar amount of routes. Um, Austin will probably expand on that one a little bit, but I think even though Robert Woods is moving into this wide receiver two role, he's going to get some, some creative usage. They'd love to, they love to use him on the end of rounds. They'll give him some handoff opportunities. Um, but Cooper cup, Cooper cup is wide receiver one on this team. And Matt Stafford loves this guy even more so than Jared Goff did. As I was looking at my, my wide receiver quarterback matchups this week, I happened to come across a absolutely wild stat it's 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 actually criminal it's seriously it's criminal i mean i don't get what robert woods did to these people but he had to do something wrong to them robert woods out of the three wide receivers we have van jefferson cooper cup robert woods robert woods has ran the least amount of routes wow that is someone should be charged criminally for that that's shocking that's ridiculous it and then on the other side, Cooper Cup has an insane thirty six percent target per route run. That I want you to think about this, people. Think really hard. Every time he runs a route, he is getting targeted one third of the time. That that in itself is it's unsustainable, but it's wild that it it's even that high this early in the year. It's it's pretty insane. Doesn't lead the league. I'll I'll hint a little bit later on who leads the league in that when we get down to it. It is, it's wild. I, the the Cooper Cup thing blew me away. Like I said, I don't think it's sustainable. But he is. He's been he's been very good so far. And I think I agree. I think he's going to be your wide receiver one on this team. Matt Stafford seems to love him. Yeah. I don't like I said. I don't know what Robert Woods did to Matt Stafford, um, but he does not like him. I think um, another interesting guy in the passing game, um, Van Jefferson, 
No. <laughs> no. Let's let's look at Tyler Higby a little bit. Tyler Higby. Um, yeah. Tyler Higby was is a guy that I was on last week. Um, he ran the same exact amount of routes that he did in week one, but only saw one target and got one catch off that. I think this is a this is a bit of a bounce back week for him, and I think it's an interesting guy to pivot to. Agree with all your points there, Hughes. On the other side of the ball, what is it going to look like for the Bucks? I mean, we we hinted at it. It's it's kind of the all right, man. Give me the blindfold. Give me the dart. Which one are we throwing at this week? It's going to be hard to pretty much predict week in and week out of who you could trust in this offense. But who is your guy that you're going to trust the most this week? Hello, Scotty Miller. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, with, with Antonio Brown out uh, due to COVID, I think it gets a little bit easier for us this week. Um, Scotty Miller, honest, honest to God, might get some looks, but he's not a guy that I'm touching. Um, I think we looked at Chris Godwin this week. Okay. Uh, I think we know Mike Evans is going to deal with a lot of Jalen Ramsey this week. And I think we've seen with Mike Evans, he's not great with Jalen Ramsey um, on the other side of him. So I think this is a game where Chris Godwin gets a lot of slot looks um, per usual. And he he's the guy to eat on this team. I think Gronk continues to get that usage that he does, maybe O.J. Howard. But, man, I love, I love Chris Godwin this week. And I think it's a lot more clear cut than it has been the past two weeks. Yeah, the thing with Mike Evans is Bruce Arians came out this week expressing that he believes that Ramsey would be the one that, that shadows him, covers yep. him most of the time. Now, in recent weeks, they really haven't been sh- – Jalen Ramsey really hasn't been shadowing anybody. I don't know if that's due to – he doesn't really have anybody to shadow or if they if that's just a product of they really trust the rest of their secondary on that team. Yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know the pinpoint. Uh, take on that, but I do agree. I think this is a Godwin week just because you don't really know with Ramsey if what he's going to do, and that uncertainty that uncertainty leads to me favoring Godwin this week. I think usually, you know, Brady's going to throw that ball around. He's going to give everyone some love. Last week he gave Mike Evans some love, so this week it's probably going to be Godwin. Yep, and, and Tom Brady, he is playing some of the best football of his career. I mean, he has nine touchdowns through two games. This guy's not slowing down. No. Um, and, and then to the Jalen Ramsey point, the shadow, the not shadowing thing is definitely interesting, but I think we can probably bank on Godwin seeing a lot less of him this week than, than Mike Evans would, of course. I, I agree with that as well. Like you said, I think Bruce Arians is expecting it as well. So we may see a couple of different things going on yeah. on the Tampa Bay side, maybe uh, see some more tight end sets. They have multiple tight. They they could run three of them if they wanted. They have three viable ones. Definitely, yeah. Uh, any any running backs that you are looking at for the Bucks, or is it kind of just uh, ah, don't worry about it? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I believe Ronald Jones sent out a tweet this week uh, that said it's it's pretty pretty fun when he plays. So we'll see how Bruce Arians reacts to that one. I don't think it's going to be too well. Uh, <laughs> it it kind of seems like Fournette is the RB one, but he's not getting really enough usage to make a huge difference. I think. He is getting some usage in the passing game, though, which is interesting. But I don't really like either side um, running in this game. I think it's going to be a very pass-heavy game. Bruce Arians, notorious for putting the players in the doghouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving right along here. We're going to have the Sunday night game with the Packers 49ers. We're going to go into the Packers side of the ball real quick. You know... I want to I want to bring this guy up first because I've had such strong opinions on him. And the first half of Monday night's game was looking my way. It was looking like it was going to be a nice week for me on the podcast. Yes. 
And then Aaron Rodgers comes in and says, fuck you and your podcast and your opinions. He woke up. And absolutely lights Detroit's defense up. Is Aaron Rodgers, is he back? So I, I think so. Um, like we said last week, we even spelt it out for the people. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. That's that's what we did. Aaron Rodgers, he did what he should have done against that Lions defense that just didn't have anything to stop the passing game. Um, and what was really interesting, obviously Devontae Adams got his. He had 100 yards plus last week. But Aaron Jones was used super heavy in the pass game. He had three receiving touchdowns as a running back last week. So they they unlocked him after a slow week one. Um, Tanyan got some looks as well, which I think people predicted. Um, so yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he looked he looked as as he should last week. Making me eat my words, that is for sure. I, like I said, the first half, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is a horrible Detroit defense, and Aaron Rodgers just cannot move the ball. I was like, who could have called this? Now, I didn't even call it. I thought this was going to be an A-Rod week. And he he proved to me that he did, he could, and will move the ball. I didn't have this on the podcast, but I did make the Packers – uh, I did bet on the Packers 11 and a half and also bet the Packers over 30.5 points was very nervous. And after the first half, but Aaron Rodgers came out balling in the second half. Yeah. Speaking on that, what about Aaron Jones, man? Is he a certified wide receiver? What is going on there, man? I mean, you got to love to see that usage. Uh, obviously the matchup is a lot tougher this week in San Francisco. I don't think you're going to bank on three receiving touchdowns, but it seems like where in the first week it was kind of like a almost an even split between him and AJ Dillon. I think when the game is going in their favor and they and obviously need to wake up on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to give it to Aaron Jones all day. Um, so definitely interesting to see what he did last week. I think it's probably a bit of a come down spot and more of a, a Devontae Adams spot just because the Niners secondary is so beatable. But Aaron Jones, just like Aaron Rodgers, he's back. The A team, the A team, the A team right the, there. The A A Rons. That's right. They were they looked very good in the second half on Monday night. Yeah. Um the 49ers. It's getting it's getting to be a frustrating pass catching scenario in San Fran. Uh what what can you say about Ayuk and Debo Samuel, along with Kittle too? Kittle, uh, you know, with with how talented he is, he hasn't really been getting the usage that he normally looks at. What can you expand on with that being your favorite team? So just as there's clear-cut wide receiver ones in the NFC West with Hopkins, Cup, um, Tyler Lockett early, Debo Samuel is, is wide receiver one on this team. He's getting some really, really great usage. Um, they use him in kind of that intermediate um, type of role where he can just take one for 10 yards and turn it into 50. You know what I mean? He's that explosive. Um, I think we can confirm that Brandon Ayuk... He's doing some vile things to Kyle Shanahan's wife. I mean, I, I don't even want to go there this week. Um, he's just, I don't know, man. He's hes too explosive of a player to not get, um, you know, not get the looks he was last year. So we'll see. We'll see if that changes. It seems like they're they are kind of waking up. They're going to start Trey Sermon this week um, on, on the running back side of the ball. So we'll see if that also equates to Brandon Ayuk getting some looks, getting their young players involved. Um, and then Kittle, too. Kittle's had an extremely slow start to the year. Uh, we saw Hawkinson. He made a beautiful touchdown catch last week. Um, so so Green Bay is definitely definitely beatable against the tight end. So we should see Kittle wake up as well. But, I mean, until further notice, 
Brandon Ayuk is just not it's just a guy you're gonna have to stay away from until you know this offense can prove otherwise and it's gonna run through Debo Samuel. It's gonna run through George Kittle. The wild stat that I have that I was hinting at earlier was that Debo Samuel is has a 43% target per route run. Leads the league. That if he is going down the field, that means he's getting looked at half yep. the time. Which with with like you were pointing out with Kittle, with the running backs in the backfield, I know Garoppolo, you know, doesn't necessarily look at them too much. Even with Ayuk, that usage is nuts. I, I don't think it's gonna last that long. Again, he, I think he's going to be the one for sure in this offense. But Ayuk, through two games, 19 routes ran with two targets. That is 10% target per route run. If you remember earlier, I hinted at the league average is about 18 to 19. So you're looking, he's, he's almost, you know, 50% compared to the NFL league average, which is, which is certainly criminal. I mean, it's, there has there's something going on in San Fran that has to do with Ayuk and Shanahan's wife. Yes, vile, nasty. Something <laughs> was recorded. I'm sure. I, I just there's I can't really sum it up into that. Um, it's it's absolutely insane. I, and I still I'm someone who invested in Ayuk. I know Jordan said last week he got him in the fifth round, which that's brutal for him. But I did invest in Ayuk, and he has let me down. And I have no. I have no reason to play him yet until I can for sure trust him. I don't know if it's a Jimmy G thing because in the preseason it looked like Jimmy G was looking at IU uh, uh, quite a bit and I was I was pretty impressed. Yeah. But it seems like in this regular season man he's he's completely gone away from him. Um of course Shanahan did say that they they were limiting him because of the hamstring issue or it might have been the groin issue but he has had an injury issue. But I, I look for him to get at least up to average. The NFL league average, 20% uh, per target per route run. I don't know if that would happen you know, immediately or if it's going to take a while. But that's something we're going to have to keep an eye out on. Definitely not panicking yet, but definitely eyebrow raising. I'm definitely going to keep an eye out on it. I almost debated dropping him this week, but I was like, we can't. I can't be that overreacting yet. Yeah, he's... It, it's tough to drop your fifth round pick, obviously. Um, I, I will say, though, I mean, you're not going to like this, but Debo Samuel came at a huge discount. Like, all the hype was on Ayuk, and Samuel's the guy right now. He really is. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. And he was at a very big discount. I, I believe Ayuk was going in front of him in drafts. Is that correct? He was. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. It's wild. It's, it's newsworthy. Going over to the Philly, or sorry, not Philly. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, next game is the Philly and Cowboys Monday night matchup. Philly, Philly. So <sighs> the Cowboys, man, um, we, we watched them last week against the Chargers. And like you said, their, their split between the pass and the run was more even than it was uh, in week one. Yeah. Dak Prescott passing 51 times is unheard of. Probably won't happen again this year. But is Pollard going to be a problem for Zeke moving forward? Gosh, I think so. Um, 
Zeke's not getting that like just undisputed RB1 usage anymore where he's getting 20 plus carries um week in and week out. Obviously, we saw last week both of them can eat. They had they had great games, both of them. Um, but it definitely limits Zeke's usage a bit. And you know, obviously they're gonna have to give Zeke's touches with the money that they paid him. Um, but Pollard is looking like the more effective running back. Um, and, and maybe that's, you know, the way they're drawing up plays for him, but this is very much a, you know, I would say 60 to 40 backfield moving forward. So my initial take on this was I was panicking a little bit, but I've came around and I've thought about it. And here's the thing. Here's what's going to be the, the recipe for success for Zeke. When it gets into the dog days of the NFL season, you're going to you're going to rely on Zeke. He's going to get you there. He's not somebody that gets hurt too often. He's somebody you can rely on. And I think Pollard right now is is doing his job. He's blowing up right now. But when teams start game planning for him, you're I think you're going to see his production go down. And I think in turn that will only it help Zeke. Zeke is seeing a very high percentage of eight men in the box. I believe he's top five in that category. So if you want to start putting Pollard out there and he starts seeing five in the or eight in the box, you're looking at something, you're like, okay, well, he's not going to do what Zeke does. Mm-hmm. Now, now people say that that Pollard's better than Zeke. I I I can I can argue that all day long. I, I think Zeke ha- gets just more attention than Almost any other running back, the ones that come to my mind are Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook also gets a lot of eight men in the box. Mm-hmm. But I just I think when you start when you start game planning for somebody, it changes your whole offensive scenario. Um, like I said, the dog days in the NFL, you know, when you get into that that early November, uh, late November you know, time, week week twelve. You're gonna you're gonna be leaning on Zeke heavy because Pollard he's he's gonna be they're gonna figure him out they're gonna game plan for him and that's just gonna be what it is. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point. Um, obviously Zeke is gonna see a lot more attention. Just that's just name value alone. Pollard is is not really that guy. I think you can you could probably argue that Pollard is maybe the better like pure runner or explosive runner, whatever you want to say at this point, but. Um, they do show that when it comes down to it, they trust Zeke. He he didn't get that usage in week one in particular, but he was out there every play pa- pa- pass blocking for Dak Prescott in a game where he threw over 50 passes. So to that point, I definitely agree. Oh, yeah, and I, I completely agree that I think Pollard is the more explosive running back. I think he's faster. I think he, when he takes off, you know it. Um, and I think that does help him when he runs. Like I said, I just, I think as an overall talent, complete package, I think Zeke is the guy. And you see that on passing downs, they yeah. they like him to be out there passing downs because he can he can pick up the block, and he can get out and maybe catch a couple balls. Agreed. But moving over to the wide receivers, what do you think? Uh, do you think Ceedee Lamb is is the wide one in, in in Dallas? I think so. It was it was a little up and up in the air week one after Amari Cooper's massive game. Uh, Ceedee Lamb also got his, but Cooper just went off against the Bucks. Um, we saw last week. Um, he had a big come down. He's not a hundred percent, not super certain what his status is. Um, if he does play, still still like CD Lamb. If he doesn't play, I love CD Lamb. 
Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, I don't know how much he's going to see of um, Darius Slay in particular because I know um, CeeDee Lamb, he's going to get a lot of slot looks in this offense. So I think if he's, he's the guy out there, um, he's going to get a ton of looks, and he is the wide receiver one on this team. He's clearly the most talented. He might be the, the most talented player on this team. I completely agree. I think I think Lamb is your guy, and I think Dak shows that. He 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 does look at him a lot, targets him a lot. He does with Cooper as well, but it just seems that on a week-to-week basis, you can trust Lamb more than you can trust Cooper. Yeah. I think I think CD's Lamb CD Lamb's uh floor is higher than Cooper's, and I think his ceiling is higher as well. I think overall he's he's the one and I, you can have a discussion for it. I know Cooper's going to get his throughout the year, but someone, if you ask me who am I trusting pass catching wise for the Cowboys, it's going to be CD lamb all day long. And I'd be willing to argue it. Moving along on the other side of the ball, the Philadelphia Eagles, man, it was a little rough last week going the offense wise yeah. for him against San Fran's defense, but that's to be expected. You all have a very tough uh, defensive front. Hurts, to me, looks like he can be a nightmare for some teams. And I think he might be a problem. I mean, is there, is there, is there something that you could... Is there something you could ask more of from him? Um, I think so. I mean, we saw last week um, the passing game wasn't super effective. You know, he went 12 for 23 for 190. Obviously, you know, his receiver took it 90 yards, and they couldn't convert in the red zone. That's obviously painful, and, and not all the way on Jalen Hurts. They tried to pull off the Philly-Philly special uh, on fourth down. Didn't quite didn't quite go the way they planned it. Um, but his rushing alone is going to keep him viable every week. I um, mean, this guy is just, like, super explosive on the ground. He's not quite at that Lamar Jackson level or even Kyler Murray um, in terms of last year. But, I mean, through the first two weeks, he's got seven seven carries for 62 yards against the Falcons. And then, of course, last week was what saved him in fantasy land was 10 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, he's going to he's going to get around 10 carries every week. So you, you can always bank on that. But um, in, in a matchup that's definitely beatable in the secondary, we're going to see if he can, you know, reconnect with his weapons like he did week one against Atlanta. Now, as far as Hertz goes, I think you're going to be fine with him. He's he's going to be somebody that. If you have him in fantasy, I think you can play him unless, you know, unless, of course, he's your backup. I think you're safe with playing him. I think he's going to be he's going to get you those rushing yards, of course. Um, he might he might throw a couple interceptions, but what quarterback won't. Now, going over to you, the wide receiver side, I think this one's going to be interesting because the Cowboys are the only team in the NFL that run double shadow. They have Trayvon Diggs that'll run shadow, usually on the one, and I assume that's going to be Devonta Smith. Yeah, and then I believe Anthony Brown is the other shadow on the other side. He will he will probably be covering Rager. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. One I'm going to keep an eye out on. I don't know how how well Devonta Smith's going to do with Diggs on him, but I do think that the matchup is favorable for Rager against Brown. And that's one that I'm going to be looking at running back wise. Is there anything, you know, you can still add on? I know you said something about Miles Sanders. I mean, is he somebody that you're going to trust week in and week out that he's going to get you there? Or is it just kind of going to kind of be, you know, is it going to be the usage thing where they're they're bringing in different running backs and you're still worried about playing them? 
Yeah, his his red zone usage isn't super secure with Gainwell, obviously mixing in there. Um, I think we definitely want to see some more red zone carries for him. But, I mean, he's got some some solid usage. He's around 15 touches per game so far. Um, and he's explosive. Like, he's kind of that Saquon Barkley-esque running back. They're, they're both cut from that Penn State pedigree, man. They uh, they can break off for, for you know, an 80-yard touchdown on any given carry. So, um, I do like the matchup um, against Dallas. But I, I don't, I don't really see him popping off um, and having a huge game here. But definitely viable. I completely agree there, Hughes. Well, it's it's the moment all of you have been waiting for. We're going to give you our bets, locks of the week, and we're also going to be giving you our DFS play locks of the week. Now we don't have any any Jordan here. Okay, we've been bullying Jordan. We bullied Jordan at the start. I told him to go fuck himself when we talked about the Steelers Bengals. And uh but we we do have his picks. He was kind enough to send them over. He is in Michigan right now, probably hammered um cheering on the Michigan Wolverines in their football game today against Rutgers. So, I don't know, would you like me to start out with Jordans or you kind of want to just Yeah, yeah, we can rip off Jordans. Okay. We can do that for him. Okay. So, Jordans bet in his lock of the week, he has Cleveland at minus seven. Just to kind of touch on it, he says, say what you want about Justin Fields personally, but Ohio State quarterbacks do not have a great tracker in the, in the NFL. Very good point. Also says, the Bengals defense is much improved, but Fields looked shaky throwing the ball, just eight for 15 for 70 yards and interception. He was stopped against a unit that let Andy Dalton move the ball very well. He's facing a much more difficult challenge in Cleveland this week. Another very good point and something added on from what Hughes was explaining about Fields earlier. And he also says a rookie quarterback on a road against a top AFC team trying to establish themselves in a tough division. He likes Cleveland and would even be willing to go up to minus nine and a half. Big nuts. Very, bold take from there from Jordan. I do like it though. It's it's It was one of mine that I was looking at this week because I agree. Being a rookie quarterback going on the road, AFC North, that's going to be pretty rough. Yeah. So, Hughes, do you have your uh, bet and lock of the week? I do. Um, so, bet of the week first, I'll go the Titans to cover 5.5 over the Colts. Um, like, like we pointed to earlier, Carson Wentz, he's going to try to give this thing a shot, but this man is on two sprained ankles. Not one, but two sprained ankles. I know Carson Wentz is a religious man. Well, he's going to have to pray before this game. Um, I, I just don't see him being effective with this injury. I think the Titans are going to ride that wave of momentum out of Seattle into this game, and they they win by probably over a touchdown, I think, in this one. Um, and then in terms of my lock of the week, Raiders. So they're, fa- they're only favored by four um, as we're recording this podcast against the Dolphins, which is super low. Um, they're at home. They've looked pretty pr- they looked really 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 strong against Pittsburgh last week. They had some they had some flashes of greatness against the Ravens. Um, you know, it's kind of another momentum theory for me. Um the Dolphins just do not look competent on offense whether Tua is in there or out. They have not topped over 300 yards of total offense in either game through 2 weeks. Um scored 0 last week in particular against the Bills. So, this is a bit of a bit of an easier matchup but with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Um, don't don't like them too much to score here. And then, of course, Derek Carr. He's really playing his best ball since 2016 uh, when he led the Raiders to the playoffs. The passing game is really clicking on all cylinders right now, so I think it's a pretty safe lock that they cover that four-point um, 
favorite against the Dolphins. Raiders did very good last week against the Steelers, albeit the hurt Steelers defense. TJ Watt went out in the middle of that game. They did very well. So I have a couple bets this week. People, if you're anything like me, I can't really decide on any bets. I'm a betting man. I uh, I have a couple here. I'll give you my lock. But I have the Steelers and the Bengals over 43. I kind of hinted at that earlier. I think with the Steelers' D being hurt, I think it's going to be troublesome for them. I think the Bengals are going to score, and which in turn, Steelers are going to have to score as well. I think Ben... Being he had two pretty tough defenses, like I said, I think the Raiders they kind of moved up a little bit for me when they played last week. I think I think the Raiders are a top ten defense. They're definitely competent, yeah. And and I think that was very promising for them. The Steelers, I think they get back on track this week against, uh, like you said, a Bengals defense that is notorious for giving up passing yards. The uh, the Chiefs minus seven. I also have. I think this one's going to be uh, a shootout. But the reason I have the Chiefs minus seven is last week losing a heartbreaker to the Ravens. I think the Chiefs are going to come out this week, and they're not going to play games. It's going to be on. It's it's going to be stomping the throat from the start. Okay. It's not going to be a week where they get up by thirty and they're running the ball. They will beat you by forty this week, and I don't think it's 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 going to be. It's not going to be close. Never mind. I don't even know why I said it's going to be close. And of course, now it's Chargers are going to win. So, but <laughs> I said the same thing last week for the Vikings. Let's hope that's not the same this week, people. Again, Chiefs minus seven. I have, so this was initially my lock of the week, but I changed it because I feel more confident in another one. I have the Rams at a plus two teaser. I think right now they're going at, I think one. I believe they're going at one. I'm going to tease them at two. Just, you know, if you lose it, get your money back. I, I can see maybe, you know, Tampa Bay going for two or something. You just get absolutely just shit on. It's unfortunate. So I have that at a plus two teaser. Also, you know, just going right along, people. This is this. This is now a betting podcast. So get fucked. Packers 49ers under 50 and a half. I feel pretty confident in that 49ers. I believe we're going to run the ball with Sermon as a starter. Yep. I think the Packers are going to have a little bit of trouble with that 49ers D-line. The Packers did have trouble with the New Orleans D-line, and I believe that they're neck and neck as far as the talent on both of those sides, or the 49ers and Saints side of the defense. My lock of the week, people. Primetime, Monday night. I'm going to be watching Peyton Manning and Eli talk about this one. I hope Pat McAfee comes on again. I love that guy. Must watch. He he is great, isn't he? Yes. I, I was watching the, the Packers-Detroit game Monday night, and I guess he had the Packers at minus 11 and a half, too. He was sweating. Oh, he was sweating, and that is must-see TV right there. The 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 shaking your ass off because you need a bet to win, You he has to be on there next week. Yes. Our lock of the week is going to be the Cowboys. Minus three and a half, prime time, Cowboys at home. I think the Cowboys are going to put numbers up. They're saying that Cooper, you know, despite him getting hurt, he will be playing. So, well, he says he'll be playing. We'll see what the doctors say. I'm confident Cooper will play. If he does, I can see the Cowboys winning this one by 10. 
at their home stadium. Set your parlays. Set them up, baby. Like I said, this is a betting podcast. Get used to it. Get fucked also. Here we go. (laughs) We have our next. We have our DFS play of the week and sleeper of the week. Jordan was also kind enough to send these over to let us know what he's looking at. Um, Hughes, we can go ahead and start it out with you. You were the one that was hot and heavy on DK or DFS last week. So we'll, we're going to continue the trend and we're going to feed you this segment. Perfect. Okay. So since Jordan is not with us today, uh, we're going to do two DFS picks for each of us. So two for player of the year, two for sleeper of the year for myself and Austin. That is so start off with player of the year or player of the year. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope to God, Jesus um, pick, pick of the week, pick of the week right here. Austin Eckler, 7,200. Um, he's at about a four, 14% ownership on DK this week. Um, I think it probably goes a little bit higher than that, but um, I think that, that just shows he's, he's extremely safe. So to Austin's point, if the Chiefs do come out firing this week, let's say they have a vintage performance where they go up 14-0, Austin Eckler is still secure enough in the passing game um, to, to be okay. He saw nine targets last week, caught all of them, by the way, for a 961 receiving line. So he's going to give you um, that usage um, in the passing game. And we hope to see a little more rushing, uh, rushing usage. He had nine rushes last week for 54 yards. Um, I think the Chiefs have shown they're susceptible to getting gashed in the run game. They've given up a, an, an exact average of six yards a carry to the Browns and the Ravens through the first two weeks. Uh, obviously, Lamar, a little bit of a cheat code, but still with their committee of running backs, including the, uh, the one guy off the street, Trayvon Williams, who is leading the way, they still average over five yards a carry. Uh, we know what Chubb and Kareem Hunt did to this running um, defense of the Chiefs. So love Eckler this week. He's going to be, I think, pretty safe for 20 touches, whether that comes you know, um, through an even split of the passing game and the running game or, or vice versa. Um, I really like Austin Eckler to hit at least 20 fantasy points this week. Um, and then, you know, we've, this has been one of our heavy points in this podcast, but AJ Brown, AJ Brown is my other DK play of the week. Um, he's sitting at about a 10 to 11% ownership, which is, I think is, is pretty low and, and slightly contrarian. If you want to go to him, um, like I said, he leads the NFL in air yards thus far, um, this year, that's bound to convert to some points. Um, he had some drops, but still had nine targets as opposed to Julio who had eight targets in a much bigger game last week. So he's seeing that volume. Um, the, Colts have, the Colts have a very beatable secondary. Gash by Lockett and DK. Um, obviously Cooper Cup last week. So love A.J. Brown to get right this week. Love that. I'm going to go ahead and hit Jordan's play of the week. He only has one. He's got a – this play of the week, that's, that's, that's ballsy. Hats off to you, Jordan. You're, you're fucked up in Michigan right now. Miko Hardman at 3,800 for Jordan. His explanation is high point, high, whoa, wow, words. Let's get it. High point total on this game, 54 and a half. He said it saw, he saw an uptick in snap percentage from week one to two, 69% to 78. So let me find his position as wide receiver two. He also saw eight targets in the last matchup against Baltimore and was also overthrown on an open TD pass. At such a low salary, even if he hits his modest week one total of three catches for 19 yards, he won't kill your lineup, but he offers immense upside in a game where the ball is going to be thrown a lot. Without a lockdown corner on the Chargers side, we could see a lot of double coverage to Hill like we did against Baltimore, hopefully resulting in more targets and shots downfield 
from Miko Hartman. I like it. I like it. I like that pick as well. Pretty ballsy going for a 3,800 play of the week, but I, I, I appreciate it. That's a good one. I think you, I think you will see, you know, like you said, you're not, you're not going to get hurt by him, but you will see some targets go his way this week. My plays of the week. I have made this decision in the middle of the podcast because I have a couple guys that I, I keep an eye on. The one ballsy one I have is going to be Saquon Barkley at 6,500. You're probably going to call me an idiot. It's fine. The reason is, I think at 10% own, he's going to be he's going to get you points, and he could possibly beat out the top running backs. He's going to Atlanta is giving up a targets percentage of 25% to the running backs, which if it goes his way, 25% to the running backs would be tremendous for Barkley and his value. Another surprising statistic. The Giants offensive line. People usually shit on that O line. This is a this is a hot one. I don't even think I remember telling you this one, Hughes. The Giants O line yards before contact is one point six five. Second okay. second best in the league. Okay. And I, it was something I was surprised at, and I thought I had to throw in here. Um, he played eighty four percent of the snaps last week, which is which is very good coming off that injury. Mm-hmm. He also has the underrated ten day rest. I do like that a lot. 6,500 Barkley, put him in your lineups. The other one I have would be DK Metcalf. We kind of we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think DK, he has 16 targets through two weeks. You know, eight a game, that's, that's very good. We also hinted at um, Minnesota's giving up 11.5 average yards uh, on every pass. And they're also... Downfield, or no, sorry, not downfield, just in general, the wide receiver uh, success rate of catching is 63%. I think you're going to see a lot of, like we were saying earlier, Lockett DK this week. I, I lean more towards DK than Lockett. And now we're going to move on to our sleepers of the week. Hughes, I'm going to let you take this one first as well. So who do you have as your sleeper of the week for us? Perfect. Um, love the Saquon play by the week. Uh, he's definitely going to be right there with Eckler for me. Um, my sleeper of the week, Saquon's old buddy, old pal, Odell Beckham oh, Jr. Yes, he's back, and he's back at fifty three hundred on DraftKings this week at about three percent ownership. Um, obviously, there's there's no numbers that I can dive into here. It's his first game back off an of ACL injury, but it's really just it's a balls play, people. It's a confidence play. He, he had a full week of practice, um, he, so he's fresh off that ACL injury. He's 100% ready to go. There's no Landry this week, so I think the Browns look to get OBJ going early and often, um, and I love it. I think this could be a vintage OBJ performance right here, so I'm, I'm going with him. 5,300 at 3% ownership. Play OBJ this week. See what happens. I like that a lot, especially with Jarvis Landry being out. I think you're going to see a lot of targets go his way. It's a good pick here, Hughes. Now we're going to keep the same method. I'm going to go ahead and read out Jordan's to you. This is a pretty good sleeper that I that I am a big fan of, uh, player-wise, of this guy. LaVisca Chenault, he is 4.4 on DraftKings. He's been, he has been playing 84% of the snaps out of the slot position where the Cardinals let up 19% of their targets to the receivers. The league average is around 11. And... 
he he also points out here it's time to get into fun football stats. I personally love this stat. It's the average depth of target. The Cardinals allow the fourth lowest average depth of target, 6.6 yards, meaning they do not give up the long ball. The other two main receivers for Jacksonville had a dots of 14 and 16.3, respectively, Marvin Jones and Chark. Chenault and his 3.9 a dot are built for this game and built to rack up plenty of yards after the catch. I do like that one I, because the Marvin Jones scenario, I think he was he was pretty cheap this week on DraftKings. Yeah. And, you know, the average depth of target worried me, and I'm glad Jordan picked that one up. My sleeper of the week. <laughs> this is going to be really ballsy. Uh, we, we're going to have a running back throw into him. It's going to be Sammy Watkins this week, and I have my reasons. Detroit is giving up the most yards per pass attempt. They're giving up 10 yards per target. So I like I like the downfield threat that Watkins has. I think I think they're going to look to contain Hollywood Brown a little bit more this week because he does look like their number one. Yeah. So that's who I have. As far as that, I do think if Sammy Watkins doesn't get his points early, that it could be problem problematic. Uh, I know that the Lions, usually their Lions quarterback, cornerback number two is Melifonwu. He's probably going to be on Sammy Watkins for most of this game. And at 5,500, his target or his yards per target is going to go up, up. Do like him a lot this week. I think that's somebody you should keep your eyes out on. I know it's not uh, necessarily the cheapest at 5,500. But that's somebody I do like this week. Well, that's gonna that's gonna pretty much wrap it up, Barry Hughes. We we had a good one today, huh? Had a good one. The two man band this week. We'll uh we'll we'll see if we let Jordan back in back in things next week. TBD. See how um, that Miko Harmon play goes, huh? But yeah, excited. I think there's a lot of it was a great week last week, a lot of high scoring games. I think we're gonna see the same this week, so a lot, of, a lot of money to be made. Hopefully we, we get on get in on that, and hopefully you guys do as well. I completely agree. And uh, I, I hope to uh, back that that take up with the high scoring. I'm, 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 a, I'm a scoring guy. I don't know. I do love defense, but something about that scoring, it just gets me going, huh? When it comes to fantasy football, fuck defense. <laughs> we want them points. Buddy, we appreciate you all coming in and listening. A little bit longer uh, episode than usual. Uh, I don't know if we would make this an hour, 45 minute podcast. Usually it's just kind of going to kind of depend on what we need to talk about, what we need to point at, but this was, this was very fun. The, uh, being together, doing the podcast across from each other. That was really fun. Hopefully we can get Jordan to come and do this here soon. That would be really fun. But, uh, yeah, let's get it. Alrighty, everyone. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. We hope this week is very nice to you. Hope you win all the money. If you tailed our bets, more likely you will. So that'll be all there is to it. Thank you all so much. We'll see you all later.